From the Carter Subaru Studios, this is Cairo Nights with Jake Skorheim. Welcome back to Cairo Nights. It's a new show. This is Jake Skorheim, your host. I hope you guys are all having a wonderful night. I have a very special guest with me. It's not often that I get to start the show with a friend. But I asked this guy, I said, hey, I love your work. I'm a fan. Can you stick around for nine hours after your show ends? And can you just hang out with me in the studio? And so I have with me here Chris Sullivan. Chris, welcome to the show. Oh, it's great to be here, Jake. Normally by this time, I'd probably be asleep. Yeah. On a Friday night. Yeah, but on a Friday great. night, I'm Maybe sure. Maybe you've had a, a few cold pops. Uh, yeah, but I'm, I'm good. I'm happy to be here. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to hang out with us. All right. Have some fun. And then after this segment, you can leave and you can go have some drinks. Okay. And have a regular Friday night. <laughs> but for the rest of us, we're going to be go here. Go to sleep. Yeah. All right. I'm with you. So uh, I'm going to start you, I'm going to start, because I knew that you were going to hang out with us, I'm going to tell you a parenting story that oh, I, great. Okay. from my house. And you're going to like this one. So uh, my sons, I have three boys, as you know, four, the fourth is on the, on way, the way, folks, and it's about to get crazy. Uh, so this is so funny. My middle son was having kind of a day yesterday, like, as kids do. You know, you remember when your son was growing up, sometimes yeah. if they didn't eat enough or if it just felt like a long day at school, they just get a little bit emotional. Yeah, right? I'm with you. So my middle son is feeling emotional yesterday and he's kind of whining about things and he's crying and he's doing all this stuff. And so my older son, who I wouldn't describe, I mean, like my boys love each other. They're brothers. They, they, they love each other. They don't say it. But you can tell with brothers that they love each other because they'll kind of shove each other in a certain certain way that I go like, well, sweetie, you see what that is? That's a hug. You can't tell, but that's what they're doing. Yeah, it looks like a punch to the back of the head, but no, that's a hug. Did you grow up with brothers? I've got two older brothers. Okay. Yeah, so you, I'm the baby of three. Okay. So you know exactly- We still do that today. And that's how you show you love them, right? <laughs> we don't hug them and say we love each other. That's no, crazy. No, no, no. That's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> Certainly not the way we were raised, considering <laughs> our age, but yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so this is what my older son does. He sees that his little brother's having kind of a tough time, and he leaves the room- and he gets a pen and paper, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is so sweet. And my wife notices it too, right? And so he's going to go, and he's going to draw. And the, the pictures that your kids draw when they're younger are just – they're precious, but they're also a lot of them. So, like, you have to figure out how to, like – And they're not really good, let's be honest. No, no, the quality is not very high. <laughs> no, but, not the, <laughs> but the effort is there. So if yeah, you're just judging them on effort, then it's, you know, it's worth – it's still not worth anything. It's sweet that they're doing it, but – and you hold on to them, and that's another conversation. Like, when can you get rid of your kid's artwork? We haven't yet. And Tom's 22 in a week. <laughs> no, you don't. Yeah. You still <laughs> have still it? boxes and boxes of his drawings. And you just get drunk projects. on a Saturday and pull them out? Like, no, think we of never the good do anything, and we, except we reminisce about, why haven't we thrown this away yet? But we're going to, you know, that's going to be his decision. They're Some, his things, exactly. right? Someday and pretty he's soon gonna, he's going to have to deal with this garbage. Are you Not gonna, garbage, because it's, it's lovely, precious no, it's, things, yeah, right? No, no, precious. But at 22, you're like... Yeah, dude, we got to get that out of the house. So what do you do with them? <laughs> we just sit there. We, you know, we've thrown away some, but I don't want to go down a rabbit hole on this. I got to get back to your story. But okay, no. okay. But yeah, we've, we've kept some of the higher lighting you projects. Some of them. Like, yeah, but yeah. not everyone. Yeah. But like not everything is a Picasso. No. Yeah. Although no. ironically, it looks a lot like Picasso. <laughs> yeah, All does. right. So my son leaves the room and he goes and he's back there for like quite a while and he's in his room and he's got all the markers and he's drawing. And he comes back out and he gives his brother, and I thought this was just so sweet. My heart almost broke in half because I was just so touched by this. My wife is like, you can see her, like these the emotion building up behind her eyes. And she's like, oh, this is so sweet. So my middle son is feeling very emotional. He's crying. And for no reason at all, he's crying because he didn't want to eat pretzels. Like that's what specifically he was crying I about get in this it. segment. segment. Um, and so my older, my older son walks over to him and he goes, 
He goes, here you go. And he hands him this folded piece of paper. And my, my middle son opens it up. And my older son had drawn a picture of my middle son. Uh, it's, I don't know, it's as good as likeness as he could do. It was fairly decent. But underneath it, he wrote crybaby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Love it. And then he read it to him because my middle son can't, can't read kindergarten. He can't yeah. read it yet. He can kind of spell a little bit. And my older son goes, that says crybaby. And then he just walks out, felt so good. And then, of course, this like starts a whole new onslaught of tears. Oh and and awesome. then my wife, my wife to, to my middle son, she goes, well, you are kind of crying a lot right now. So he's not he's not wrong. And then she corrects my older son. She goes, you shouldn't have done that. And he goes, well, it's not wrong, mom, is it? Because he had hurt her. That's just what's going on in my house right now. That's amazing. That is so me Because you know what that is? That's the... Native instincts, yes, deep, 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 deep in our brains, DNA, ten thousand, a hundred thousand years ago. Of like, yeah. you know what, little brother, life ain't always sweet, man. Yeah, you know, you better, you, you got, you better get ready. It's he not should. always about being. All, he's preparing him for the streets. He's he preparing him for the next phase of his life. I and I told my wife that because she grew up an only child and she's a girl, and so I and so she just doesn't understand boys. And so I said to her, I said, uh, well, the, are ga- they are gaining lessons right now, even if they're not nice lessons. And even if it's like, it looks like they're all just like pounding into each other all the time. What they're gaining is the experience of learning how to blend in. The younger ones are learning how to be really quick witted and funny because the older brother has no patience for them. And so they need to entertain the king. And so they need to turn into little jesters. This is just the way of it. They also get tougher because they Correct. have somebody constantly pounding on them. But he's pounding on him from a place, from a good place. Yes. Because he's trying to toughen him up. Toughen him up. Because he's got a few years on him and he knows he goes, what's listen, coming. Dude, if you get into second grade and you're still crying over pretzels. You're going to get, you're going to get you know, pounded. Yeah. You're not just going to get a picture that says crybaby. <laughs> like somebody's going to do something to you. So uh, that's what's going on in my That's house. a good one. I like that. Well, that, that shows a couple of different things. One, emotional maturity. From yes. your oldest, yeah. in that you know it would have been great if he painted him a, a, a flower or saying, "Hey, everything's great, bud." But no, you know he called him what he was because he better get used to that because the older brother is going to tease him forever, forever. I mean, I'm the baby and I still get it. And I'm, I'm old- almost fifty five and I'm, I get it from my I'm, older brother still. I'm forty and I'm the oldest of three boys, so I'm the opposite and you're still side of dishing you. it out to. Them. I dish it out all the time, of course. And now it's in text messages. I'm sure you get text messages. <laughs> so you got some, yeah, earlier yep. today from my. Yep. Yeah, it's like it, that stuff doesn't change you have to put little brothers in their place that's their job right and you have to rely on your older brothers to hope to show you the ropes yes and get you ready yep. because they unfortunately had to go through it without any help that's right as the oldest brother and so they're that what they have earned is the ability to now teach you correct yeah they're going yeah, before you i like you. it that's yeah. great good all right so uh this time of night and don't answer this for the radio audience you can just shake your head at me if you know this but this time of night we always play a movie trivia clip it is a random clip. I don't tell the audience what it is. I don't give them any clues. I just tell them it is from a film. They can text me on the text line, 888-973-5476. That's the Muckleshoot Casino Resort text line. Or they can wait for the news roundup, which is the start of the next hour. I will then replay the trivia clip and tell them what the answer is. So I'm going to tell by the look in your eyes right now whether or not you know this. Okay. You can shake your head at me. Or you can just tell me, now, yeah, I know let that. Let me preface this by saying I haven't seen a movie in a theater since 2007. Well, have you seen movies at home? 
not yeah, really. Yeah, I was right. actually being made fun of on the air this morning on Seattle's Morning News when I said I'd never seen any of the Lord of the Ring movies. Was your older brother there pounding you for being so ridiculous? Those movies are fantastic. Yeah, well, I, my older brothers wouldn't have gone to that thing. They're like, are you kidding me? No, Do I have three hours no, to no, waste? No. I'm raising children right Dude, now. they're so good. They're very good. All right. I, I, you didn't have kids when they came out. That's true, but I still watch them. I still love them. Uh, once my kids go to sleep, I watch those movies. All right, here it is. This is a clip. Good luck. Now, y'all might have heard rumors about the Armada happening soon. Well, we'll be leaving a little earlier. We're going to be dropped into France, dressed as civilians. Once we're in enemy territory, as a bushwhacking guerrilla army, we're going to be doing one thing and one thing only. Killing Nazis. <laughs> it's a pretty... I feel like that's low-hanging fruit. I think a lot of people are going to get it's that. It's a great movie. Isn't what that a great movie? What an unbelievable, unbelievable movie. movie. So satisfying. Yeah. So satisfying. And so you know creative uh, with the director. If I'd mentioned the director, I might give it away. Then so I won't. know it, yeah. But the way that the stories that are intermingled amongst them and yes. things, you know, little things that you might not have noticed are are really cool so and the, gosh the acting in that I movie know, it's just great all from top to bottom right every care oh my goodness yes. what a movie what a movie all right yeah i'm sure the audience knows i, I wish so. we could, i wish we could spoil it but we can't if you like this show you probably also like that movie so yeah, i'm sure I you're gonna get so, that yeah. answer all right did you know today is the groundhog day did you know that chris yeah i was aware of it yeah all right morning, morning. you have to see the groundhog yes i am do you think it's gonna be an early spring i'm predicting march 21st Oh, good guess. You know, I think that actually is the first day of spring. All right, so today was Groundhog Day. <laughs> what a great, speaking of great movies. Un yeah, another really well-done movie. Do you think that that movie is, It's. I often see that movie um, given as an example of a perfect movie because the theme is so strong. The theme of, or the, uh, the, uh, um, the gimmick of having him have to replay that same day over and over and over and over again. And then ultimately, he's learns his lesson. That's what lets him out of that vicious cycle. It's a hilarious movie. Oh, the, yeah. The acting is great. The little town is great. For me, it's hard to judge what a perfect, again, because I don't consume movies yeah. like a lot of people do. Uh, but that, yeah, that one is pretty darn close to... Perfect. I mean, with all the different, you know, the Ned Ryers, you know, all the, you know, all the things being in into the news. Yeah. Oh my god. You know, my favorite one of that is when he's finally got the groundhog in the car. And he's like, "Don't drive angry. Don't drive angry." That's right. You know, he's got the, yeah. the groundhog is driving the car. It's and they just go off one the big crapshoot. Yeah. So unbelievable funny. movie. And Bill Murray Ugh. is just—he's so dry. His delivery on everything is just perfect. This is pitiful. A thousand people freezing their butts off, waiting to worship a rat. What a hype. Ground like they used to mean something in this town. They used to pull the hog out and they used to eat it. You're hypocrites. All of you. You got a problem with what I'm saying, Larry? Untie your tongue and you come out here and talk, huh? Am I upsetting you, princess? You know, you want a prediction about the weather. You're asking the wrong film. I'll give you a, a winter prediction. It's going to be cold. It's going to be gray. And it's going to last you the rest of your life. <laughs> For the rest of your life. All right, so his predictions, obviously, was going to be cold and gray. And he said a thousand, he referenced a thousand people coming out to see the Groundhog. This, of course, is Punxsutawney Phil in, uh, where is this at? Is this in Gobbler's Knob. Gobbler's Knob. Is this Pennsylvania? Pennsylvania, yeah. that's right. So uh, this, is, this happened this morning. 6,000 people live in Gobbler's Knob. 6,000 people live in that tiny little town. What do they do the rest of the year? I have no idea what they do the rest of the year. Yeah, it's a good question. 
But there's probably a lot of tourists that show yeah, up to that probably, place. Probably, but so today, thirty thousand people showed up wow. to see the Groundhog uh, at the Punxsutawney Chamber of Commerce. They put this thing on, and this was. Phil's prediction for this year. If you guys are at all interested at what our weather's going to look like soon, here it is. A prediction has been made, Mr. President. Hear ye, hear ye. Now on this February 2nd, punks. I love how they do this. When I, <laughs> when I was a kid, I would have found this so incredibly dorky. And now that I'm a dad who's 40. Who is now a dork. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a, what we become. <laughs> we just become that. And you know, and why do we become that? Like, why, I don't know. Why do dad jokes happen? Because we look back at youth with incredible nostalgia because we kind of still wish we were that age. Maybe as guys, I don't know, maybe we wish we were still that immature and silly. And most of us never grow out of being like 10 years old. I was going to say, like, I don't feel any older than I did at 10 or 12. <laughs> no, I don't really I mean, act I, much differently either. <laughs> like, when I look at you and... You and I both still act like kids. Yeah, I mean, we're much. fortunate that at our jobs we can kind of act like kids. <laughs> but I just think there's this thing where, like, I most guys turn into just like, especially guys who have kids, like you just turn into a big dork. Yeah, and I don't know because we're, we're playing to our audience all the time, which is why dad jokes are so bad because the level at which my kids are impressed by things is incredibly low. Yeah, it'd be hard to go full Jack Stein on your kids. Because I kind of go way over, we yeah, yeah, yeah. zoom right Couldn't over their it. heads. Couldn't, Couldn't do, do that. No. Yeah, like the other day, I was telling this on the show the other day. My son got a yo-yo at basketball practice. Don't I mean why they gave him a yo-yo at basketball practice? But he comes home with a yo-yo. They don't know how to yo-yo, and so I, because I am a child who grew up in the '80s and '90s, of course knew how to yo-yo. Of course, and I crush it at yo-yos. And so I'm like, you guys want to see something? Huh? Let's they, walk the dog, baby. I walk the dog. <laughs> Immediately, I went zing, and I walked the dog, and it's like this muscle memory that just like clicked in. All of a sudden, my wrist knew what it was doing, and my arm just like throwing at the perfect speed. I'm like, oh, you guys like that? You want to see this? Rock the cradle. No, you. I could never do rock the cradle. I guess I never had enough patience to do that. Their brains exploded. They looked at me like with more respect and love and admiration than my kids have ever looked at me before in life. They were so impressed. I was a magician. Like, this is what my kids think I am now. I am a yo-yo god to my children. That's amazing. Keep that going because pretty soon they'll be 21 and you'll be a piece of... <laughs> uh, Shut up. By no, the way, Tommy, they, Tommy they, you, got, you and Tommy have such a great relationship. No, wait, you, did they give them yo-yos because they don't make them run horses anymore? <laughs> Is this what they're learning at back, basketball yes, practice? Like, why are they running days? suicides? Or, You're right. When, or, or, I was a kid, when I was a kid, you ran until you threw up. Right, and then maybe you shot a free throw or learned how to take a layup. And now you come home from basketball practice with, with a, a yo-yo? Yeah, seriously. What is wrong yeah, with these Napoli kids? Mr. Napoli would not let us go without without running suicides or, no or horses. No way. Yeah, up and back, up and back. Oh, you didn't touch the line? Start over, everybody. We're going to 10. You know what I left with when I left uh, basketball practice when I was a kid? Shin splints. <laughs> a, hatred, a hatred of basketball. I didn't leave <laughs> Yeah, I didn't leave with a Dunkin' yo-yo. Ridiculous. Tatani <laughs> Phil, the seer of seers, prognosticator of all prognosticators, was awakened from his wintry nap at dawn. Gobbler's knob. Phil looked to the skies and then, speaking in groundhog ease, directed the president to the proper scroll, which reads, another winter's slumbered pause so I could meet the crowd. Hard to sleep anyway when the party's this loud. I envy your energy. I envy the fun. I envy all of you and your opposable thumbs. But it's not what Stupid. I feel, it's what I see and what you hear. So gather round and let me be clear. Atmosphere is a wonderful thing. And we can create our own and the weather it brings. It brings hope for the future and so much more. Maybe some Punxsutawney Phil write-in votes in 2024. Oh? 
But what this weather did not provide is a shadow or reason to hide. Glad tidings on this Groundhog Day. An early spring is on the way. Yes, and the crowd goes wild. We're already feeling the early spring here. I know. I, I was feeling like I should be wearing shorts today. It was awesome. It's fantastic. So this uh, this uh, tradition apparently in Punxsutawney goes back to eight to eighteen eighty seven. Phil has predicted the weather the weather now more than one hundred times. I'm sure it's not the same groundhog. That would be amazing. Uh, Ten years of that was lost because of the the no records were kept. But it's an early spring, so we yeah. can all celebrate. Yeah, and if you ever want to get another good guest for your show, yeah, I'll always get Nick Allard on. Oh, Nick from Al- Cairo Seven. I know Nick Allen. Yeah, for you, of course you do. Yeah, he absolutely despises Punk's Tony Phil. He <laughs> despises him. You know why he despises him? Because he didn't go to meteorological school. No, no, no. Like because he had it, to. Because it highlights what weather prediction is. It's the, which is a crapshoot gobbledygook. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Do you know how wrong they get it? Do you know how prepared I was for winter? My neighbor bought a snow machine. To plow his driveway because we were supposed to get right. We're either going to get somewhere between an inch and two feet. That's a pretty big swing. Weather people, right? And for whatever reason, they just get away with it every year. Yeah, and, and nobody so- holds them accountable. Nobody goes, "Hey, you remember when you predicted snow and we didn't get snow all winter?" Yeah. Why doesn't somebody hold them accountable? We do, and and Nick, to his credit, is usually right. On a lot of things. I'm not talking about Nick here. Nick's a great guy. But no, I he like despises. Nick. <laughs> we we yeah. had some, again, we had some fun with him this morning uh, on Seattle's Morning News. But yeah, he's not a big fan of Punxsutawney Phil well, at all. Well, he, he makes his he makes his profession, he embarrasses his profession, I think, is what is what he doesn't <laughs> like about Punxsutawney Phil. And Nick Aller's great. Nick, if you're listening, I'm going to text you later. You're a great guy. Uh, we think you do a great job. Everyone else, though. Bunch of jokers. All right. Uh, Chris Sullivan, we're out of time. You know really? how many stories I had to talk about today? Like serious stories. And all we got to was yo-yos, uh, crying kids, and Punxsutawney Phil. But that's a Friday. That's a Friday. Yeah, that's what, that's what we do. That's a great Friday show. I agree. Yeah. Way to, way to start the you know the night show with a little bit of fun. Yeah, it's a good weekend. There's, you know, got to come up with something. There's no real football this weekend. Yeah. Well, so. we have a ton more stuff to talk about. Don't go anywhere. We're going to give you that trivia answer at the next start of the next hour. And just a lot of great stuff coming up. So stick around for that. Chris, thanks for hanging out, man. All right. It's great. I, I can't wait to find out who'll be killing some Nazis. Yes. All right. We got a lot of great stuff coming up on the show tonight. Matt, tell them what we got. On tonight's show, we talk to the great Nate Cotters about parenting, social media, and mental health. Those stories you've been clicking on all week at MyNorthwest.com, well, we have Steve Coogan with us from MyNorthwest to talk about all of those stories. And the final season of a pretty, pretty, pretty good show has its creator and star reflecting. We'll hear from him tonight. All that plus the news roundup is headed your way next on Cairo Nights with Jake Scorheim. You're listening to Cairo Nights with Jake Scoreheim. Welcome back to Cairo Nights. I have one of my favorite guests on. He's a good friend. I work with him here at the station. You know him from traffic, on the afternoon shows. Of course, Nate the Great Connors. Nate, welcome back to the show. Thank you. It's been a while. It has been a while. Yeah. I think the last time we talked, it was about something in Alaska, maybe. Yeah, probably. Something like that. A UFO or Bigfoot or UFO, something. Just something Bigfoot. absurd. Something important. Today actually <laughs> is an important topic, and I want to get your opinion because you have a uh, you have a teenage kid, right? Well, uh, 10, actually. 10, okay, so right on the edge yep. of teenage life. Uh, not quite on the edge, but getting close. Uh, close enough for this show. So uh, Mark Zuckerberg and a bunch of other big tech CEOs 
uh, were in front of Congress mm -hmm. yesterday. And they were talking to Congress and Congress, like some, you know, some, some uh, congressmen were asking them questions. I thought this exchange was really interesting. Mark Zuckerberg says that he doesn't think that there's any link between teen mental health and social media. Listen to this. With so much of our lives spent on mobile devices and social media, it's important to look into the effects on teen mental health and well-being. I take this very seriously. Mental health is a complex issue, and the existing body of scientific work has not shown a causal link between using social media and young people having worse mental health outcomes. Hmm. So I thought that was kind of interesting. He was then questioned by a guy whose name is Senator Josh Hawley, and he actually read him an internal study. I think it was from Instagram, which I think Facebook owns Instagram. Right. Uh, or Meta, I guess, whatever the company's called now. And he's he, he kind of checked him a little bit and said, well, your own study says that there are some huh. relating mental health things. And I think as parents, we're constantly worried about this kind of thing. Absolutely. But, so this was uh, Senator Hawley talking to Mark Zuckerberg. Mr. Zuckerberg, let me start with you. Did I hear you say in your opening statement that there's no link between mental health and social media use? Senator, what I said is I think it's important to look at the science. I know it's people widely talk about this as if that is something that's already been proven. And I think that the bulk of the scientific evidence does not support that. Well, really, let, let me just remind you of some of the science from your own company. Instagram studied the effect of your platform on teenagers. Let me just read you some quotes from the Wall Street Journal's report on this. Company researchers found that Instagram is harmful for a sizable percentage of teenagers, most notably teenage girls. Here's a quote from your own study. Quote, we make body image issues worse for one in three teen girls. Here's another quote. Teens blamed Instagram, this is your study, for increases in the rate of anxiety and depression. This reaction was unprompted and consistent across all groups. That's your study. Senator, we try to under understand the uh, the feedback and, and how people feel about the services, we can improve. Wait a minute, your, own, da your are... own study says that you make life worse for one in three teenage girls. You increase no, Senator, anxiety and depression. Says. That's what it says. And you're here testifying to us in public that there's no link. You've been doing this for years. I thought that exchange wow. was really interesting. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, oops on his part, huh? So His own company has the email. Yes. The report. And, and it's it made, not, it and it's it not good. No, it's not good. Here's the thing that I want to know, like, from you as a parent, because you and I grew up in a, in a very different time. Mm. The kids are growing up now. They have the Thank technology. God. Thank God. Right? This this digital age is absurd. Completely. It's crazy. Like, when we were growing up, our parents had to worry about bullies, things like that. that right. Would, that, would, that would follow you around at school, but it didn't follow you into your bedroom. Right. Right. And now parents have to worry about, like, this whole social media world, which is a very real, real world. Oh, yeah. For teenagers. And how do you as a parent, like, you know, look at the future and with your kid as it relates to social media, is this the thing that worries you? Oh, absolutely. And thanks for asking that. Yeah. Uh, you know, my wife and I are constantly monitoring his his uh, social media presence already. But right now it's just mostly games. Sure. But what he's just getting into now is the headset where you can talk to people. Yes. And there are a lot of if you will, strangers, you know, people he doesn't know who he's talking to. So that's where we're starting right now. We're like, you know, you got to be careful, you know, watch out for this sort of stuff. And really you don't want to be chatting with people you don't know for very long and don't tell them where you live and blah, blah, blah. We got a list of things already. Yeah. Yeah. These parental controls that we're all trying to figure. And, 
And again, technology sometimes eludes us because we're a little bit older than mm. these kids. These kids are all so smart. Yes. They all know how to do this, use this technology so seamlessly. It's just like built for their little fingers. I know, man. I know. And then we're just trying to keep up. But at the end of the day, we're just trying to protect our kids. Yeah. I've talked about this before, and I don't know how you feel about this, but I was talking about this on uh, uh, Chi and Ursula's show. They asked me, when is a good time to start giving your kids phones? Mm, because the, the topic came up. And I yeah. was like, you know. We're I'm, dealing with that. You're dealing with that right now. Right. And I said, I'm not going to give my kid a smartphone until they're at least driving a car. Uh, not even when they're driving a car. Like, I don't want them to have a smartphone even when they're like 16 years old. So what are you thinking? High school graduation? Maybe. Yeah? Maybe really? when they're 18. Like, maybe when they're an adult. They have, like, the argument to give your kid a phone, mm. in my in my view, is for safe, safety reasons. You want your kid to be able to get in contact with you if they're out with friends yep. and they feel like they're in an unsafe situation. Right. They might be able to call you, but they have dumb phones. Yeah. They, they can do all that. They, they're called like jitterbugs, I think, or, okay. or doodlebugs or something. See, this is new to me. And you can, <laughs> Well, they're made for old people and they have really big buttons. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> they are, and they have really big buttons. Okay. And they're made for like people who don't really understand how to use technology. Okay. But for me, I see that and I go like, oh, wouldn't it be great if I could force my kids to use these dumb phones, yes. not smartphones, because mm. I'm worried that the smartphones, not only are like they giving my kids access to stuff that scares me, yeah. that I can't control as right. hard as I might want to control it, it also, we know, is following you around. It's building a digital mm -hmm. profile of you that then that company is going out and just like selling right. to someone else. Yeah, it's, so spy, it's spying on you, it's spying uh, on, more or less. And it's constantly asking us, do we have permission to look at everything you're right. doing and all the different apps that have open? Right, right. Which is weird. And, you know, I, and I know our kids already... You know, saying yes to all those pop-up buttons. You know, well, they don't bubbles. know the difference, right? Just they just want to get rid of it. They just want to get rid of it. And so get back to their game or whatever. Candy you know? Crush or whatever. Right. Kids play these days. I don't know Fortnite. what they're playing. Fortnite. Fortnite. There yes, you go. Absolutely. So we've been talking about this with our kid, and I think we're going to get him a phone for his twelfth birthday. Sure. He really wanted one this past year. We were like, ten is way too, too young. young, buddy. And we convinced him. We said, okay, he finally. So he he suggested twelve. So we're going to roll with that. Nice. But yeah, you, with the with the dumb phone, I think uh, that's the way to go. Just for that exact reason, we want to be able to be in touch with each other, vice versa. Uh, you know, on a drop of a dime. Well. At a phone call's the, moment notice. The nice thing for you guys is because you've already expressed to him that you want to make sure you're, you know, watching what he's doing, mm. you can, there's a lot of parental controls. And I think the parental controls are getting better. Okay, good. So hopefully you're able to, you know, step in and, and good. keep him I, away from things that he doesn't, he shouldn't right. be looking at. I know. And then, we, of course, when he becomes a teenager, oh look at <laughs> block everything. <laughs> I have three boys now. I got one on the way, man. I got four boys. Right. That house is going to be... That's tough. Well, you should have it down by your fourth son, you know. I know, <laughs> I know, I know. Oh, it's crazy. All right, that's Nate the Great Connors. Thanks a lot, Nate. I want to know from you guys, what do you guys think about this? 888-973-5476. Hit me up on the Muckleshoot Casino Resort text line. Do you think it's a good idea for kids to have phones? It seems like such a simple question. The answer seems so simple to me, and yet I see kids all of the time. I was at school the other day. I was at, I was at elementary school where my kids go to elementary school. One of the kids in my son's class comes up to him and says, hey, let me grab your number. Now, usually the way this works out because my kids are in elementary school is one of the parents will send a note home and they say, hey, the kids want to get in touch with each other and they want to set up a play date or something like that. So the parents exchange numbers and like I'm fine with that. That works. But this kid comes up and says, hey, uh, let me get your number so we can set up a, a, a play date. Time to go hang out, play basketball, whatever. And he pulls out a phone and my eyes like shot open. And I thought to myself, whoa, this kid's got a phone and he's in elementary school. 
that seemed I was it was totally alien to me. I just did not expect that kids in elementary school were having phones. But I think they do. Like I think a lot of them have phones. And like, how are you parents dealing with that? Am I just paranoid and crazy? Am I just swimming against the tide? Is this a uh, is this a ridiculous thing to try to do to keep phones away from my kids? You guys can let me know, and I'm sure you will. 888-973-5476. You can also let me know on our uh, Instagram or Facebook or X page. Uh, look for me there. All right. We got a lot more coming up. Stick around. We're going to be right back here on Cairo Nights. You're listening to Cairo Nights with Jake Scorheim. Welcome back to Cairo Nights. Do you guys know who Lloyd Austin is? Lloyd. Lloyd Austin is the Secretary of Defense. Very powerful guy. And recently, there was kind of this... A little bit of a uh, uh, scandal that happened with him. He had gone into the hospital and he had had a, uh, a, a procedure, actually a surgery done, where he had to be knocked out. He was given anesthesia and he had to be knocked out. They had to transfer power to his next in charge. All of this happened and it happened without the White House knowing this. Now, the problem with this is when you have the defense secretary basically out of action, the president should probably be aware of the situation. Should anything on a national security front happen so that you could immediately go to the secretary of defense and say, Hey, what do we do here? How do we defend our country? How do we protect our citizens? What do we need to do? So if he's on an operating table and he doesn't, I'm just surprised that they didn't let the president know. So here's, what's interesting about this. When this happened, he had to go into the hospital. And when he went into the hospital, he had to have his assistant call 911. So his assistant calls 911. We have that 911 call. And when his assistant calls calls 911, they ask that they turn the lights and sirens off because they don't want people to know where it's going to because that would be news because he's the defense secretary of the United States. Here's that 911 call. Can I ask, can the ambulance not show up with lights and sirens? Um, we're trying to... Mm-hmm. remain a, a little subtle. Yeah, I understand. Um, yeah, usually when they turn into a residential neighborhood, they'll turn them off. Is he reporting any chest pain at all? No. Okay. Did he pass out or does he feel like he's going to pass out? Uh, no. Okay. And like you said, he's he's awake, he's alert and oriented, he's not confused or anything like that, correct? Correct. So they asked that the ambulance remain subtle. <laughs> now, emergency vehicles by their nature are supposed to not be subtle because they want people to know they're coming. So they're big, they have flashing lights, and they make a lot of noise. So people get out of the way. And so people know when help is arriving. And so anyway, uh, thankfully he was fine. He had his surgery. He's doing great. He is back, and power was transferred back to him. And the White House then had to find out about this when we all found out about it. And again, this is uh, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin. Lloyd. He was in front of reporters. He was answering questions about this. NBC News reporter Peter Alexander took a pretty stern approach when questioning him. He said, hey, why aren't you being held to the same standards that everybody else would be if they kept something like this from their direct superior? In this case, the president of the United States. You were hospitalized for days before you informed the White House or the Commander-in-Chief of your condition and your absence. Anyone else within the military chain of command would have faced reprimand or even dismissal. Why shouldn't that same standard apply to you, sir? Well, let me just say that, uh, uh, thanks for the question, that, that we didn't get this right. 
And as I said, I take full I love that. Thanks for the question. <laughs> I'm sure he doesn't love the question, but he still tries to give an answer. Responsibility for uh, for uh, the department's actions uh, in terms of why uh, on the second notification was was not made to the White House. Uh, that information was available. Uh, I'm not sure uh, at this point uh, what exactly happened, but I think details uh, will uh, will play out as a review is, is conducted. So he was asked too. He was asked about his aide and said, uh, "Why didn't you? Why did? Why? Why didn't you? Why? Or why did you ask for a subtle 911 call?" And he basically blames his aide. He says, "Well, I didn't instruct them to request a quiet ambulance." Listen to this. You went to the hospital on December 22nd. Was your staff aware that you'd gone to the hospital? And if so, why didn't they tell the White House? You went back to the hospital on January 1st, and an aide told the dispatcher, uh, when the ambulance arrives, no lights, no sirens. Did you direct the aide to say that? I asked uh, my assistant to call the ambulance. I did not direct him uh, to do anything further than just call the ambulance. Uh, and so what he said uh, and why he said it, I think that should come out in the, in the review as well. So he basically says he's kind of throwing his aid under the bus there. One thing that's surprising to me about this is like, you know, he's a very powerful man. He's the defense secretary of the United States. I'm surprised that his aide has to call 911 because I would think that this guy probably has security with him at all times. You know, the president travels with a doctor everywhere the president goes. He has all those vehicles that follow him around, and he has people there on site so that should anything happen, that, you know, it would be horrible if it did, but should anything happen, he has immediate help right at his side. And I just assume that somebody who's as important as the Defense Secretary of the United States, Secretary Lloyd Aston, would have something similar. But in this case, we hear the audio. We heard his, uh, his aide having to call 911. What about December 22nd when you went to the hospital the first time? Was your staff aware? And if so, why didn't they tell the White House? When, when I went to the hospital on December 22nd, uh, it was, I went in for that procedure. Uh, my duties were transferred to the deputy. That was planned, and, uh, and I decided to stay in the hospital overnight. Didn't have to, decided to stay there overnight uh, because of the anesthesia that was involved. Uh, and then the next day, later in the afternoon, early evening, we transferred uh, authorities back. So so anyway, he says everything is above board and everything will come out in the review and uh, that we don't have to worry about Secretary Lloyd Austin. Lloyd. All right. We have a lot more coming up on the show. Next is going to be the news roundup. And when we get to the news roundup, of course, we're going to give you the answer to that trivia question that you've all just been dying to know. It's a pretty good one tonight. So you're going to want to tune in for that. We have a lot more coming up. Hang around. We're going to be right back here on Cairo Nights.